Welcome to the Black Belter Podcast. This is episode one. And kicking us off today, I'm here with Mr. Adam Shelley. For any of you who don't know, Adam is two times world champion and five times European champion in ITF Taekwondo, along with being three times Irish Open kickboxing champion. Those successes I just mentioned make Adam the best ITF Taekwondo fighter that Ireland has ever produced, along with being, in my opinion, the best pound for pound fighter in all of ITF Taekwondo in the last five years. Adam, along with his brother Ryan, is also making a switch into MMA, where they train under SBG Swords in Dublin. So today, I'm going to be talking to Adam about how he started Taekwondo, the success he's had in Taekwondo, and also how he's going about making that shift into MMA. So, let's get into it. What's up, Adam? How are you, Jamie? Thanks very much for having me on. Uh, pleasure being the first guest on the Black Belt podcast. Yeah, yeah. First, you had the you had the awards to go with it, so we said we'd get you on. Thanks very much. So. Since I was last talking to you, you had a fight back at the start of December, wasn't that that's right? That's right, yeah. So um, that's that's been my last fight so far, and it was my last, sorry, my most recent fight and my last fight of um, twenty eighteen. So basically, it was um, a guy I actually fought him before at the Irish Open. Oh, really? Three years ago, Gio Marchese is his name, um, and he's starting up his own. It's basically just his own little fight night show, like promotion called Skill Striker. So what he's trying to do. He's trying to bring back the continuous flow element to kickboxing and taekwondo, sort of. So nice, yeah. um, from what a lot of people who, who would watch competitive taekwondo and kickboxing uh, can notice at the moment is it is becoming more and more like stop-start. Stop start, yeah, like, definitely. You know, people fixing gloves, all this type of stuff. And it's just it's just the way the sport is going. But um to the untrained eye and to somebody watching it for a bit of entertainment it can sort of it can take away that that buzz of the fight so he's really trying to bring back just a continuous flown fight with artistic shots like spinning kicks head kicks all this type of stuff so um, that was reflected in the rules system uh, like a <coughs> jump spinning head kick was would be awarded five points I think it was four, four or five um, normal spinning kick to the head was like three or four or something like that. So basically, these shots that people want to see were much more rewarded, like to encourage the fighters to throw them. In terms of like contact and stuff like that, it was um, wasn't light contact, wasn't full contact. The way it was described to us in the meeting before the fight, it was strong technical contact. So basically, if a fighter went out and was swinging haymakers with punches trying to knock somebody out they'd be penalised for that but on the same token if somebody ran onto the end of a back kick to the chin and they were knocked out that would have been perfectly okay because yeah. it was sort of their own doing um, so yeah basically Ed uh, Neil Ernest actually contacted me about it originally because Neil had a few of his guys going on yeah I show. saw that yeah yeah. And um, Neil just, he, he gave me all the details. I was originally matched up against a guy called Ed Lofts, who's, um, I hadn't actually heard of him before before they matched me up against him, but he's a, a well-renowned kickboxer over in the UK. Um, Would he be more full contact kickboxing as he, opposed to... I think to he ventured into full contact. Uh, he has a points background. I think he, he was fairly oh, well fairly well up there in all the disciplines. So, um, and based off the, the reaction that that got on, on Facebook and everything, you know, a lot of people were saying, you know, this is going to be a cracking fight or whatever. So that that was great. Um, uh, I was really looking forward to that, bloody blah, blah. And it was all set to go. And But just unfortunately... Um, Ed had to withdraw from the fight uh, I think it was a contract issue with some new promotion he's with now uh, so 
David Higgins, a guy, oh, I can't remember what club he's from. Um, no, I can't remember. But he, he was geo arranged for him to to step up to the to main event and we, we fought each other and it was a it was a cracking fight. Like, you know, David he brought his A game and uh, he was a very tough challenge. Um and for me, uh it was because I think most of last year, like I spent training a lot of like K one boxing style to try make that switch over yeah, to MMA. Yeah. So going back to that, like the 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 speed of like light contact and stuff like that, it's different. It, it it's caught different. me a bit at the start, yeah. and um, it was just it was like I said, it was it was just an adjusting period that I had to go through in the fight. I I got the win in the fight, but um, it was it was hard earned. Like you know, David really he put it up to me. So um. Like like that always, like, you know, you learn from it, you move on. And it just sort of has reminded me to go back to them roots a little bit and keep uh, keep that style. What got you there, like, and what, 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 what could carry road. over to MM, MMA That's it, and benefit you, know? you a lot? Exactly. It, so, um, it looked like a good show. Yeah, it looked like to have a, a different setup. I saw some clips, or just Instagram clips, Snapchat clips. It looked to be a different kind of setup to the show. It didn't have the ring really in the middle, did it? No, You kind of no, had a so crowd on three sides. That's right. Um yeah, I thought it was looked it looked like a good setup. Yeah, it, w- it was really good, and um, even just the way we had walkouts, there was music, DJ, big crowd there. So for for Gio's first time running the show, I have to say he did he knocked it out of the park. Like you know, it was yeah. really well done there. Um, yeah, def- so, definitely a lot of the problem I think as well. But as you were saying with te- like taekwondo and even the kickboxing is that stop start. To if you don't know what's going on, you you just want to see. A free flowing fight with lots of shots thrown and lots of fancy shots, like lots of stylish shots being thrown and hopefully landing. Exactly, so. you know, and even throughout the night, um, so it was, it was the day, sorry, was broken into in the afternoon. There was like a kid show, then there was a small break, nice. and then the adults and sort of older teens were in the, the later show. And I sat back and um, I was watching a lot of the kids' stuff and serious talent there you know and just a lot yeah. of Neil Ernest guys really impressed me like you know a lot of his students and they're just it was some really good sh- stuff and then when it moved into the later show because I was the last fight I got to see a lot of the fights beforehand and there was some really nice shots thrown really nice shots landed really got the crowd going so it was good to see that you know but um, yeah overall I have to say re- really really happy with the show so you'd be happy to fight in yeah, that show again I would do and also anybody ever gets the opportunity to fight on it I'd, I'd encourage them to go for it like Gio's a good yeah, guy and you were well looked after, after and everything well looked after because yeah, you fought so. in the show in Scotland and that's right, Mike yeah. looked after you well that yeah, was Mike, Mike as well that was Mike another Lee's. show so this is again something that I'm I've gotten a little bit more access to last year and it's the first yeah. time like you know people getting me onto their shows and Two, two shows there that are fought on uh, across the water just in Scotland and England Mike Leska and Gio Marchese have both really looked after me so I'm very appreciative for that um, and any guys get the opportunity to fight in their shows I'd really encourage you Savage uh, I actually want to take it back a small bit and talk about for why you got into martial arts and yeah. how you got into martial arts and uh, why Taekwondo why not another martial art why Taekwondo okay so, so yeah this is um think it's it's like a lot of people's stories like you know getting into martial arts so i grew up uh three two brothers uh i have an older brother alex and a younger brother ryan everybody so knows ryan but not many people know alex they don't know he's there alex uh, black belt as well and i always say about alex out of the three of us had the most natural talent um, just really just didn't click with him learn that going on he he wanted to focus on other areas of life 
But um, yeah, so the three of us as young lads, you know, always just fighting with each other, you know, running right in the house. And from watching your your Craddy Kids and Bruce Lee or whatever the sorts we had on DVD, and um, wanted to do some sort of well, we we wanted to do Craddy. That was it, like you know, because that's what we were I, exposed to. I was the same. It was. Yeah. Uh, I think it's very much. I don't know if it's an Irish thing or just what it's a European thing or so. It's when you hear. When you hear martial arts, the first thing that comes to your mind is karate. Most it's, definitely, it's, it's yeah. not any other. It's just martial arts is karate, and then it's only when you start to get into it and you hear like, like oh, there's so many other martial arts. Exactly, so, and I think that's from like the movies and stuff like that. Yeah, and just yeah. how it's how it's marketed or whatever. And I don't know. That's just for me. It was I want to do karate. I want to be in a white suit kicking and punching. Like that was yeah, that. And yeah, I was that's happy it. Once I was doing that, so basically, my dad. Um, he would have started looking around and trying to research clubs. And my uncle at the time, um, my uncle at the time, uh, he he had started training Taekwondo actually in Exchequer Street, which is the old Taekwondo center yeah. under Master Brendan O'Toole and Master Jerry Martin, I think, would have been in there at the time as well. So he was over in the house one day and I'm sure we were probably kicking and punching him. And uh, he, was, he was saying, you know, look, I'm after starting uh, Taekwondo. And also one of my friends on the road, like two or three doors up, his dad did Taekwondo too. So like once I heard White Sue kicking and punching, I was like, right, that'll do me. So the nearest club to us at the time was in, um, it was in like Alsa. It was like a sport and leisure center just locally, about 10 minutes up the road. And um, so that was actually AIMA, which is like, if I can remember what that stands for now, it's like Action International Martial Arts Association. Yeah, so like it, the, it was a form of ITF Taekwondo. Yeah, yeah. And that was... The many forms. <laughs> yeah, that club was run by James Farrell at the time. Um, so we started there, you know, everything we expected it to be, everything we wanted it to be, trained there for three years. Uh, I think we got to, again, they use a different grading system and a different belt system. I think we got to orange belt which is the equivalent okay. of green tag. Okay. So our pattern would have been Dosan at the time. Yeah. Um, but then we moved uh, the family, like my family, we moved to Australia for a year. Um, so I would have been age nine. Uh, Ryan would have been seven and Alex would have been 12. Yeah. So um, we moved to Australia for a year. And again, my dad wanted to keep us in martial arts. We wanted to stay in martial arts. So, uh, we enrolled, it was in a WTF club over there. Again, at that at that time, we didn't really know the difference between ITF, WTF, kickboxing. No, you don't. And you you don't. don't, you know, no. it was all the same. So again, it was the, it was the cl- nearest club to us. We ran that in conjunction with football, swimming, whatever else we were doing at the time. And like at that stage of our lives, like although the three of us, we loved martial arts, we were always doing it, but we didn't know like sort of the road it was going to take us on. Like it was just pure hobby, like, you know, two, two, just three, two, once, three twice a week. A week. And exactly. you just, were just loving it. Yeah. yeah get your grades. Uh, belts would have been the main focus over competitions at that time. To- at that time, I could take or leave the competitions, you know, but the belts was all on my mind, like looking to the black belts in the class, wanting a black belt. Um, so as I said, we lived in Australia for a year. We came back then, and so we originally lived in Swords. But then when we moved back, we moved to Whitehall, which is it's closer to the city in Dublin. Um, and again, straight away, my dad was on the blower looking for local taekwondo clubs, um, Yellow Pages, whatever it was at the time. We looked up, and uh, he found Mr. Jones in Colester Taekwondo. 
um, and we basically started there straight away when we got back and uh, that was our club then ever since um, we trained there right up until the three of us got our black belts in June 2009 um, and then I pushed for national team then in the November which would have been the world championships in Argentina yeah um, Ryan was too young and Alex had leave insert so Alex didn't push for that one so I was the only one um, and that's just basically it all took off from there uh, you know it's um, unbelievable yeah just it's, when I look back like how far we've come and all that type of thing it's you don't realise it when you start do you you just no. turned up because like you said you started off just wanting to kick and punch that's it like I started I know myself I wanted to be a, I started off watching the Power Rangers yeah. and you're seeing all these flips and the kicks and the spinning and the punching and you're going jeez I wouldn't mind doing some of that I like that you wanted to start karate but my dad had through a friend got in contact with uh, Adrian Adrian yeah, Byrne yeah. about uh, training taekwondo so my dad said would you do taekwondo instead of karate I well, just said grant whatever yeah, whatever, so he went whatever down. gets you scrapping I just went down whatever wherever we're doing the backflips and the kicks that's where I want to go so and it's funny because the first I remember the first day I turned up and we were actually practicing rolls forward tumbles backward tumbles Brilliant. and in my mind this was the practicing for the backflips that's like, it this is the first that's day we'll get you. there and then we did some kicking as well in the class. So I was thinking, oh yeah, that's the practice for the for when you do the flip and the kick. So I've tra- trained 16 years and I've never done a backflip <laughs> in my life. We'll but, have to get on to Asian about but, that one now. But you know, but I've achieved it and still enjoying training. Like you just don't realise where you're going to go with it. So it's a, it's an experience. Yeah, It's unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. You don't like, know. You know it's, yeah, it's great. So, uh, um, so yeah, you were on the national team then. So, yeah, so that's that's when it all started to get serious then, you know, um, in the lead up to that competition now. So like I said, I got my black belt, I was 15 years of age, I was eligible for national team. Uh, so Mr. Jones, uh, my instructor, like he advised me, you know, yeah, look, go for it. Um, we decided that the 58 kilo division was, was the one, like, you know, because I think I was walking around at about... 55 at the time like you know and I was uh, I was some lurch like you know I still am <laughs> but uh, I was probably I would have taken my growth spurt so I would have had to be 5'10 I yeah, would so, say 5'10 5'11 yeah so for the people who don't what height are you now right now I'm six foot two and a half yeah not so, quite the six three just so people are clear Adam is quite tall and yeah. has always been quite tall so. Um, so like and as you can imagine five foot ten or eleven at 55 kilos is basically like a rake. and 15 years of age and 15 yeah. years of age um, so yeah so we decided look no point in cutting any more weight at that age because I had nothing on me to lose so I went with the 58 kilos and um, went through the whole selection process and uh, there was squad sessions you know tr- national competitions in order to to sort of impress the coaches and get your name out there to get selected for the team um, and at that time, it still is actually, there was three juniors selected per way. Pretty sure I was the third choice junior, like got in off the skin of my teeth. Everybody's the same. Yeah. You, you, you just barely get in there. But it's what you do when you get in there then that really counts, isn't That's it? That's the thing, yeah. you know. So uh, based off like the last selection competition, if my memory serves me correctly, I, I was the the last one getting in. But look, I got in and that was that. Uh, I was happy enough to just say I was on the Irish team then. So um, training carried on, um, you know, pushed on. So that would have been the September, pushed on to the November. And then there I was on a plane to Argentina for the World Championships, never having fought outside of Ireland, only ever fought. My first venue would have been Cork down the Neptune Stadium. 
So like it was just yeah, it's definitely not recommended. You no. would say go to these smaller competitions, go to your Dutch Opens, Roma Opens, whatever. The exactly, smaller competition, get yeah. that, get that experience before you're stepping on. And even if you ideally you'd nearly go to European Championships beforehand. But this is it, you know, World Championships. Yeah, not the best time to be. Big jump, yeah, big, big jump. big jump. And from, if anybody can remember the the World Championships in Argentina that year, like now, like I said, I don't know if this is just me because it was my first year. It was, the way the venue was laid out, it was like really like tiered seating and everything was looking down onto the mats and there was plenty of Argentinian fans there, like, you know, very loud, like giving all their guys plenty of support. So I remember just walking in and being like, you know, sort of what have I got myself into here? Like, you know, and looking back, it, it could have made it, it was going to make or break me. Like, you know, yeah. if I had it look like the way my competition actually went was I had my first fight against the Jamaican, uh, went to extra time, won that, uh, obviously absolutely gassed, gone, like, you know, that I'd emptied the load there. Um, then I went up against a Slovenian who would have been quite strong at that time under Thomas Barada, would have been their national coach and this guy's club coach, I think. And uh, he, he beat me fairly well over the two rounds. Now, nothing to drive me away from the sport, thank God. Yeah. But it was a convincing win uh, for him, you know. So I just, you know, the next couple of days sat around, took it all in, like, you know, and really just enjoyed the ex experience, got to know the lads on the team a lot better. And I just I had the bug then, you know, like straight away. I wanted to know when the next one was. Um, Your yeah. motivation is never is always at its highest after a championships. Oh, it's unbelievable. Whether you win, whether you lose, you just want to get back to training the next day. This you is just, it. You're just on a high. Yeah. Because either like, you're you're happy because you just won and you just want to get back in, or you've lost and you want to take away what you want to start fixing on what what you need to fix for the next one. That's so like exactly, motivation yeah. is always at, that's what I find anyway. It's always at its highest right after a championships. No and matter I always what. find as well it's like a two and one, you know, because it's it's. In a way, like it's it's nearly like a holiday, especially because when you've if you've been beaten then in your competition and you have a few days left, like you know it's all over. So you know you're you're with lads that you're friendly with and you have a bit of crack with. So you're having fun there, and then you're also it's something you've been building up to for weeks and months beforehand yeah. from a competitive point of view. So when you come home, it's nearly like a double whammy of an anticlimax, like you know because you're nearly there, coming back off a holiday with your mates yeah. and also a huge competitive experience, like yeah. You know, Post championship blues is definitely a thing, like, big time, hundred percent. But like so, that, you've you've been. You see, it's not just a week's preparation. It's like this is tends to be three, four months. That's you know, it. Like if, yeah. if you have a championships on in April, you're starting more than likely in January. Big and you're time. Going from January, January to the middle of April, end of April, of training five, six times a week, sometimes two days, two times a day. So like there's a big long stretch there where you have to be dedicated and committed. So at the back of that then, it's climax with the championships and then you're home and it's, what do I do now? This is it, yeah. yeah. So basically, um, after Argentina then, the next one up was European Championships in Sweden. That's where I um, came into the team then, yeah. That's where you came onto the team. We became good buddies back then. And um, <clears throat> again, similar experience. So I, I was actually... I. I don't want to say filled out, but put on about three or four kilos. So I was probably more into my weight at this time, 58 kilos. You probably just grew that extra bit. That's the thing, yeah. <laughs> probably went up rather than now. Um, but I was 16 now. It's turned 16 to March. This competition was in the May. Uh, 
why I thought this, I don't know, but I was going over to that one being like, well, this is the one, you know, having been away once, I know the drill here, I'm 16 now, a little bit heavier, this is it, you know, <clears throat> no problem. So my dad and my younger brother, Ryan, Ryan, again, too young to compete, came over to watch this one. Uh, they hadn't been to Argentina. That was a costly trip and in a sport that's not funded. It was tough mm. enough getting me there, never mind the family trekking over, you know. So here we are, Europeans in Sweden. Won my first fight against actually a well-known competitor now, Norbert Rismeyer from Hungary. Came up against him my first that's not round. A bad, not a bad win to have on yeah, the record. Yeah, now at the t- we both improved a lot since then. Um, and then my second fight was against another well-known ITF competitor at the moment, Tara Masimov from Russia. Um, again, I th- for him, I think it was his first international. Um, so again, I bowed out of the competition there. Uh, lost, you know, unanimous decision. Um, didn't really know what went wrong. Like, this is in my head, you know. I, I did the same preparation, but like, you know, I, I was just obviously I was disappointed. Um, but like I said earlier on, I had my dad there for this one. So when we got home, we spoke about it. I was expecting hugs and cuddles, and you know, people feeling sorry for me. And um, my dad just, you know, he just came out and said, like, you know, I'll never go to one of these competitions again if I'm prepared the way I was. And 16 year old lad like you know that's not what you want to hear yeah. straight away but my dad from as long as I can remember has always just been brutally honest with me never buttered us up like you know tell us what you need to hear tell us what we need to hear not what we yeah. want to hear exactly like you know straight to the point the way he sees it sometimes if he's wrong sometimes he's right like you know it doesn't matter he just says it how he sees it take it on board if you want so um couple of days went past we probably didn't talk but then I sort of I, I saw where he was coming from he he just saw a lot of gaps in in my performance and when he compared me then to the top countries who at that time would have been probably Poland Slovenia Russia probably in around They're them countries the yeah, yeah. Uh, Ireland countries. at that time you know they, <coughs> they weren't really up there in terms of the best countries like you know the, the medals were few we, and far between yeah we, we were just coming we, just, were, we were starting to just starting to starting creep to cr- in, yeah, we're, come in you know each Wins one medals. we take one or two gold medals like you know Richie Ford Richard Ford most people yeah. know him he took his gold medal that one and Naomi Kunge would have taken a gold medal at that one as well as best far overall as junior female best overall yeah, yeah. Uh, hope not leaving anyone out there Junior female team patterns. There we they go. Took. They would have taken a gold. Yeah. Um. So, like I said, they they were starting to come. Like no, not in abundance, but they they were coming. So that as well, coupled with obviously what my dad is telling me, you know, give me that hunger. Then that well, I want one of them gold medals. I want one of them bronze medals. Even at that 100%, time, hundred percent. Yeah. So um, changed up my training a little bit back then. Nothing like nothing magic. You know, um, invested in a couple of kettlebells. I think. Uh, me and my dad, like, you know, I was only in fifth year of school, just started looking up stuff online about how to do, you know, basic strength training, some fitness training, joined a gym, again, just started getting under the bar, like, you know, doing a li- nothing too mad, just basic, basic strength training. And I think because of my body type and physicality at the time, that went a long way to sort of, you know, help me down in my performance. Yeah. So uh, next one up then was... um Worlds in New Zealand, again, another long trip, expensive trip, went on my own. Uh, this time I made it to the quarterfinals and had a really close fight um, with a Slovenian competitor. And I was just pipped, absolutely gutted now this time because, like, you know, I came through two rounds this time, won them convincingly enough as well. So 
after that one, that that was probably uh, up to this point, like as opposed to the first two competitions I mentioned, that was probably my most disappointing loss because I actually you did have a chance. And you and had I, that extra preparation. That extra preparation, the extra time, the extra effort. And I actually did have a chance. Didn't go my way. Um, so it was at this point then, so again, came home, um, did the analysis with my dad, my brothers, um, my mom even, she always puts her spoke in. Um, and we kept doing what we were doing physically and obviously Mr. Jones was always an input, like, you know, help me out with things in the club, always tweaking. But at this level, like, you know, you're, you're training, it doesn't, you know, stop what you're training in the club. Yeah. It has to carry on at home. So that's yeah. why I was very yeah. lucky to have a family influence. Um, so this one, we actually started introducing a little bit of kickboxing training at the time. Uh, the Slovenians would have been quite uh, quite big in the kickboxing circuit as well. And definitely at, at the World Championships in New Zealand, the Slovenians would have been very dominant, really dominant. Would have won a couple of medals at junior male, junior male spar- team sparring. They would have won a few of their seniors would have done very well. So obviously it's natural to look up and see what yeah. the best are doing. And even... For us, we had one gold medal at that competition, which one was, was Dylan, Dylan, who also Dylan, yeah. who also had a kickboxing background as well with this him. So it was kind of seeing know? it was kind of looking like you need to be kind of crossing them over. This now, is the not thing, not necessarily you know? the case, but that's the way it kind of was at that time. Exactly. So uh, we started training then again, local club around the corner, uh, Robbie Haw, um, he. Uh, Black Panther martial arts it was called at the time, and uh, now it's sort of known as elite fighter, um, but. Point, very good points coach light contact kickboxing coach and we started doing a lot of training around there and um, he was extremely influential and in, you know tweaking a few bits of my game like you know helping me just bridge that gap sort of between quarterfinals and a gold medal so eight months down the line then after uh, introducing that type of training along with my taekwondo training along with my physical training uh, I managed then to take a gold medal at the Europeans in October 2011 that was the first one and that yeah. was that's always the most special because it was my younger brother Ryan yeah. and he won it with me a long time and it was his first competition I'm always jealous of him at that he's, he he's walked one of the, in he's one of the very few people to walk into a championship their first one and win a gold medal first one and he was 47 kilos fighting in 52 kilos I was like literally he was he was there for the trip you know like that's all he was yeah. there for and um, that's what people the first, people's first time on the, on the team that's what the first one is it's that's it because you know? it's only after the first one you kind of realise okay you see the, the level you see everybody else around and it's like okay I know what I have to do now that's the level I have to get to so you end up going away and maybe the second one you can go and win a gold or take a medal and you progress but the first one is never usually where this you go and it. you take that gold medal so for Ryan so yeah. he went and took that now like I, I said it was it was really really good and actually that was my first one the first competition that my mom went to my mom hadn't been to any of them my dad like I said was in Sweden but my mom and dad they both came to Slovakia for the Europeans so and then for me and Ryan Twin so that's always that's always a special one there um, yeah so then I had to sit the next one out then because of leaving Saturday, unfortunately. Yeah. But that was the end of my junior career then. Yeah. Um, but, so but that's definitely. I don't think a, a a story or a side of you. A lot of not a lot of people know that they've only seen maybe what you've done in the last five or six years. This where, is it, you know, where it's medal after medal after medal. They don't realise that you actually came into the team. We'll say not very good. Exactly. Not, that being said, 100%. most of us weren't that very good. I wasn't very good myself. Like when we were in Sweden, we took a lot of us took took Hydens. Exactly. But we, we went away and we 
adjusted and we did improve but that's it you, you built all the time along you as you said you, you improved your training and you were getting through around more each time to where like in the world you just were outside the medals to then push on and actually take that gold so yeah it, it shows that it's not always just natural talent that you turn up but like you do have to put in the work and it will come 100% it, do, it does come it does improve um, so then you went senior Basically then, yeah, I went senior. Uh, had a couple of other upsets at senior, you know, my first two World Cup in Brighton, uh, World Championships World Championships in Bendorm. Uh, went down to the quarterfinals of both of them. Um, and again, funny, like with them. So I remember finishing my leaving cert, um, which for any European people listening, is basically like your end of school exams, big yeah, exams. Next is, next is college. Sorry, next yeah. is college. Yeah. So, um yeah, you know, put in massive prep in the lead up to Brighton and Benidorm, no injuries, like literally trained as hard as I could and went out in the quarterfinals to both of them. Um, and I was, you know, thinking, you know, all right, you know, I have a big step up to do here. And the first one that I managed to get a gold medal in as a senior was the European Championships in Italy. Um, and then funny for that one, like, you know, I had to have my appendix out in the beginning of that year. Um, oh, I remember that now yeah, actually yeah, and I had I, forgotten that yeah. I was you know I was rode off for training like appendix like you know it's, it's surgery on the body and stuff like that you know so it was actually looking like I wasn't even going to get to that Europeans and I remember like even the coaches you know asking me like you know it, is it wise sort of to select you for this Europeans because of the operation and stuff like that and I said look just we'll give it a go you know let's just so for that one I, I took there was a lot of pressure off me like the first two as I said I felt uh, World Cup in Brighton World Championship Ben Norm I felt huge pressure like you know I felt oh I have to carry on that gold medal you from the junior yeah, and I have to step up expecting it like yeah so with this one I'd had my appendix out I literally I'd say I got six weeks of training in and the first week or two of that would have been very light because I had to readjust up, and yeah. get build up so I was going over there like not defeated but I was like um, not expecting a hell of a lot from myself like you know I was just I was going because I wanted to and I, I won it like you know and it was just after that it really sort of taught me like mindset mindset and yeah. how to how to approach these competitions that of course we put our life and soul into them you know we train hard but you just you've always got to remember what you're there for like and from what I remember about that one I'm pretty sure that's probably my most enjoyable one of my most enjoyable trips it was great crack we're in a great spot amazing yeah. weather amazing food uh, it was in Riccioni in Italy like you know it was just it was just a, a, an amazing week and like I said I wasn't going over there burdening myself with I have to do this I have to do that I just went out performed and I managed to get yeah. a gold medal I think if you put a lot of pressure on the result when that if you're putting everything into the result if that doesn't go your way then you kind of feel like well what did I do it for what did I put those months of training in for why, why did I bother it was a waste of time it was a waste of my own money because you have to pay for yourself if you put a, a, a lot more stock in the preparation enjoying the preparation training with your mates in the club, at the squad session, enjoy being with your mates at, at the competition and enjoy taking in the other fights that are happening on around you and just, enjoy, it. just enjoying it, enjoying the, like the training, the, enjoying the process. Enjoy uh, for, the process, for, that's for, it, for, you know. For use of a cliche, but that's, that's what it is. That and is then the result, is 100%. yeah, obviously you want to win, but of course, like that's what you're, you're there to win. But look, at the end of the day, if you don't, there's always going to be a morning period. Like after, you're going to you're going to feel like shit. 
exactly, after yeah. losing. It's, it's but, a horrible but feeling. But my thing is always fighting is what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm going to lose. Okay, that will feel like shit. I'll get over that. But I'm going to enjoy the rest of it. I'm going to enjoy the training. I'm going to enjoy the trip while I'm there and just take in the experience of whatever competition it is. That's exactly you know? it, so, you know. And just as you said, you chalk it up as experience. Like, that, like you said, it, it takes off the pressure. Yeah, less pressure the more you build it up in your head of oh this, I have to get this gold medal otherwise it was a waste of, and you don't get it what it just feels like that waste of time and the chances are like you have five rounds it's, it tends to be five fights yeah like, especially in the in most of the divisions nowadays it's five so fights it's, it's, it's tough like, only one person is going unbeaten in that division there's only one person going winning five fights so exactly. the chances are the, the, the odds are probably stacked against you but like some days you'll come out on top and other days you won't it's, so you have to put a bit more stock in something else as opposed to just the result this is it but so look, basically but you are, we're saying that then but then after Riccione you kind after of Riccione you didn't then, have many bad days after no, Riccione no I have to say I was good <laughs> after that now like you know I went um, European Cup later on that year uh, got the gold the following year had a Worlds and Europeans win year after that Europeans uh, and there was more after that but like you know it was just again momentum then like you know and that but even for some of them other competitions like you know I had hiccups and I had uh, tough lead ups to them like um, for example the European Cup in Hungary which would have been later on that year had a bad grind strain like you know didn't kick for like five weeks before the competition threw a kick in my first fight and it went again like you know and basically had to get through the competition on hands um, which like you know I didn't actually know that that's yeah, that's, pre- so that's pretty that's pretty it's, savage like, it's yeah. just one of them things and then like you know that's where definitely your, your mindset comes into it then like you know what are you prepared to do like you're going to spit the dummy out of the pram or are you going to like you know are you going to just knuckle down and try to get the job done when you're there on the day like you said okay like that see what happens that's sure, if it. I win, you can get through. Great. Sure, if you lost, like you tried your, you you did what you could on exactly. that on that day, and just one you know? fight at a time, you know. So it's just like like I said for that one. Looking at the draw sheet, it was five fights to win. So like, all right, that's the first one done. Then just counting them down until the final. Then thankfully got that done. And um, the big one then after that then would have been 2015. That was probably my. Would have been my most successful year, just in t- well, as well as 2017, but just a world's in a European. It's a big year. In yeah. a big, yeah, that's, everyone always says that, you know, when you, the world's and the Europeans, that's your, like, not saying anyone, like, you know, people can, you can come along and win one, like, you know, and then you can fall off, but to yeah. maintain that for the year. So as we were speaking about earlier on, the world championships were in May that year. I basically started preparations in January, January, February, say. Yeah. So brought that, so led that right up as far as the Worlds, won that one, took a very short layoff. And then like, you know, you're back in then over summer because the Europeans are in October. So you're basically on it for the entire year in terms of your training, nutrition, managing weight, all this type of stuff. Um, so yeah, that was a great year. Um, again, when you get to, when you get to results, it's always a great year. Yeah. Um, great competition. So I uh, really had some tough opposition in, in them ones, you know, in individual and team sparring. I really... Like I got to got a taste of most of the top competitors in ITF that year, like you know, and and that's when I really sort of went, okay, well I'm I'm sort of up there with the rest of them, like you know, that was it was a, a yeah, that's the benefit. Of, that's the good thing about the team for someone 
like yourself, you get to step in against the guys from the other weights. This is obviously it. there's no yeah. weight limit in the team, so you got to test yourself against the, the minus eighty fives, the plus eighty fives, seventy eights, and were able to prove yourself that you're good enough to beat them. So. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so and then I was always tipping around in the kickboxing as well around this time. And actually that year I started introducing even a bit of boxing training as well. Like you know because not for any particular reason. Uh, just always enjoyed watching boxing and. So I started bringing it in and I was supposed to do the national championships one year. I think it was the, it was the novice championships, but um, there was actually a problem with my uh, my medical card at the time. Doctor made a mistake in my eyesight report, so I never got to fight at that, unfortunately. Um, Would you have fancy doing well? At that one, yeah, because like from this, how my sparring was going in the club and stuff like that, um, against good level decent level guys you know I was holding my own and as I said it was novice level championships um, which would have been you know just a stepping stone to other stuff um, but I always with taekwondo and kickboxing experience transferring into boxing like you still have that like the your ability to manage distance and timing like at the end of the day although it's different rule sets different like you haven't got your kicks but the principle is somebody's trying to hit you and you have to hit them so yeah, like you know, don't definitely. get hit and hit like, and you win that. And I know it sounds so so simple, but that's it is when you just break it down. When like I that, when I'm telling the easy kids, game. exactly the the kids in the taekwondo club, I run my own club now, and um, that's what I just tell them that that when you sort of get confused in it all, right? Like you know, what am I trying to do here? Hit and don't get hit. Yeah, you know that's that. And I simple. think as most people will know, any in any combat sports, Floyd Mayweather, you have to just, just you know that's yeah. what he did, and that's what he he pride himself off, and that's what got him to where he is. He literally took that phrase, hit and don't get hit, and that's what I, in my opinion, made him the best boxer of all time. You know, controversial, yeah. controversial, but some might yeah, say, some might say. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would find it somewhat controversial. Other people might not. They. See yeah. Floyd Mayweather has been the greatest of all time. The greatest offensive boxer anyway. Let's say that. I would think. Yeah. Um, yeah. If if I had to say the greatest fighter of all time, I would say Sugar Ray Robinson for me. All right, yeah. Like, you know, obviously no. you can't dispute, but... No, like that, it's we, we, it's a lot easier to watch Floyd. We've, yeah. we've all seen Floyd. When you're watching blurred black and white clips of Sugar Ray Robinson... That's true. And different um, eras too. Different eras, know. but... Okay, we get into a bit of this. I, th- <laughs> I think a lot of stock is put in the fifty and all when it, there's been a, there's been longer winning streaks. Like Julio Cesar Chavez has, a, I think it was about eighty three fights unbeaten. That's true, and I only found and, that out there like a week or two ago. He he had a close fight against Meldrick Taylor to where he had that last second knockout. I think he was about sixty seven and all at that point. And he managed to pull it out of the bag, maybe a bad stoppage, but he managed to pull it out and actually went on to be up around, I think it was around 83 and all. So to me, that seems a much more impressive run than 50 and all. That's Clearly. true. No, yeah, he went, I think he lost maybe six, seven fights in his entire career, had a hundred and something fights, uh, 90 something wins and six losses, round about that. I haven't fact checked that, but... That winning streak, like that many wins, that seems like a better total amount of wins, a better winning streak than fifty and all. Yeah, There's I definitely think from from Mayweather's point of view, and like, especially like, well, our era anyway, maybe why there's more popularity and around Mayweather is like he marketed himself like you know really really well, like you know, and he 
obviously then the money man and stuff like that yeah. you know so obviously that's yeah, gonna the, lead that it's probably swaying my opinion like you know but it's just yeah, the appeal of how he even spends his money and he met like that the way yeah. he's quite flashy which people kind of it's why I suppose they're even drawn to Conor McGregor to some degree as well of spending the money flash the cash but yeah boxing wise yeah he's he is a great boxer there's nobody disputing that um I think then some people don't like Floyd for other things that happen outside the ring. That's true. Of yeah, yeah. The whole a lot of that seems domestic to get violence shoved stuff, under the carpet. Which, but yeah, I don't think it really should. But that's why, as a boxer, big fan. Yeah, I can admire the way he flashes the cash, but I'm not really a fan of him as a personality. But like I said, I can massively, uh, I really appreciate him as a boxer. But uh, we'll get back into more of that yeah. later. I think we'll. Uh, so you had that winning streak. As you said, 2015 was your most successful year with a world's win and a European's win. Um, then we had, it was pretty much the same again, 2016. It was another European win. That was it? a European win, yeah. So you only had the one competition? Just the year? one. I went, um, there was a World Cup that year in Budapest. Ah, yes. I didn't do that. I, did, I chose to attend the Wackos instead for kickboxing. And um, I was actually beaten in that one in the quarterfinals by a Russian competitor. And I have to say, I learned probably more in that competition than I did the whole year. Um, like that was in the October, and that week, the the Russians had really started to bring a different style to light contact kickboxing at this time. In around 2014, 15, 16, 17. Um, I didn't actually get to see a lot of the stuff from the most recent Wacko Europeans in 2018 but from what I saw them years they, they started to bring this high pressure style into, into light contact uh, a lot of hands wearing their opponents down um, and I, I was very very intrigued by it like because it, it beat me you know like it, yeah. it, it, I, I think they also benefited from rule changes as well didn't they big they became, time. They became so, a lot more uh, harsher on exits yeah it went back to really uh, benefits the high pressure and the fighter coming forward to like you said the style that they were bringing this is it and I went back to a 7x7 area that time so it had been an 8x8 and I went back to 7x7 and uh, that's actually how I lost that fight was um, I was disqualified on exits um, because the guy like kept backing me up kept backing me up Um, and on my ring that day Oh, this isn't ent- I don't think I have my facts entirely right here but it's somewhere around here out of 27 fights 8 or 9 were disqualified I think that's massive yeah that's, so that's, that's like that's, that's massive one third of the fights on that ring that day ended in disqualification now it could that could be a bit high, possibly seven. I just remember at the time everybody talking about that particular ring, and as you said, there was just they're, they're trying to change the rules to make it more appealing to to the fans, like you know. And we we're only speaking about it at the start about the skill striker. They're trying to make it more engaging, which I'm totally on board with. But I just felt that year maybe it was just a little bit drastic. Yeah, know? I think you want it like that. You want to keep, and like you said, on the skill striker card, you want to keep the skill. Yeah. You don't just want action, just reckless action, people swinging up close just for the sake of seeing action. You want to see good action. So I think make for me, kickboxing making that ring smaller and a bit harsher on the exits, yeah, it did create more action, but a lot more holding. That's true, stops yeah, there. yeah. Whereas maybe if they kept the ring bigger, they brought in a bit more, like, yeah, maybe you could be harsher on the exits. But uh, re- reward, good skill, good technique, with the action there. that's it just trying to get Ro- that yeah. sweet the sweet spot like yeah. you know just a nice yeah. fine balance between it you know 
Uh, definitely, yeah. It's, it was a good experience, though, I have to say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, of course, then we move on to, well, you had the Europeans in 2017 in Bulgaria, which That's you won right, there as yeah. well. But I think the biggest one, and I think I don't know if it's one of the sweetest, well, I find it one of the, the sweetest one, uh, was the Worlds in Ireland, where... Ah, just I don't even know where the, to start with the well, Worlds in it Ireland. Was, it was some week. It was it just was, amazing, was, like for just so for the people who don't know, Ireland finished. We managed to finish number one in the world. Uh, I don't actually have the amount of medals on hand. It was twenty-eight medals in total. Do you remember how if many? If I remember correctly, eight, nine, or ten gold medals. I think it was eight gold medals. Eight, I think. And, yeah. And after that, I'm not fully sure on the silvers and the but there was twenty-eight medals in total. Um. So that was the first time Ireland had finished number one in the world. We had finished second in 2013 at the Worlds. It was also on in Ireland in City West in Dublin, the first time Ireland had held any championships. So to have a world championships was massive. Uh, the juniors got us off to a great start in the first couple, the first oh, day or so. It, well, yeah. actually the, it was actually the senior females, actually. Oh, they did brilliant. How many finals they, did they have? They Three had, or four? It was four finals in a row with five fighters. So That's right, yeah, yeah. Katie fought in the final. Maeve had a final. Louise had a final. Sarah had a final against yeah, Ellen. Against so there was an All Ireland yeah, final. Yeah. So we had one gold, four silvers. Yeah, that's that? right. Yeah. So that was that was some time. That was some day to uh, yeah. to go. The Irish went off, and there was a lot of pressure then on the lads. Big time going into that was on the Thursday. They competed on the, the Thursday, I think. The was Thursday, it? Yeah, yeah, and then. We, we were up on the Saturday. We went up on the Saturday, yeah. so there was a lot of pressure there. But I think we, I think we lived up to it. Just about, yeah. So. No, but um, that was that's. I was just gonna go on to that, like just the whole week in general. Like I think just with the buzz of each day with medals coming in and from juniors, seniors, males, females, was just and everybody's congratulating each other. But um, like for me, you know, that week was it was by far the like the peak of my taekwondo career like yeah, you know and yeah. I don't think it can ever be topped really like you know it's just it was and the just I to think be a it really and I think yeah. it really reflected the hard work of the ITA as well over the last how many years before that like you know they they just pulled it all together um not being biased in my opinion it was the best it was the best run world championships ever no, it was the best to be around and it was my yeah. that would have been my fifth my fifth world championships and it was by far like you know I just the the arena in itself having the majority probably 80% of the competitors and coaches staying in City West and you just walk across in City yeah. West Hotel it had, an walk, Olymp- it had an Olympic kind of village it was field. like an Olympic everybody village everybody was around yeah. everybody was together everybody was kind of eating together at the at the, the dinner hall like it was just it had a nice buzz about it that's it was just it. it was it was good yeah it was and, um, definitely the best for me definitely as well the best world championships I've been to um, that would have been it was actually my third so my I'm going, third, going yeah. competing in my fourth in April but yeah I would think that's the best the best one the, so, uh, for me as well like you know obviously as I mentioned earlier on winning the gold medal was special and defending my title but doing it alongside my brother yourself Jamie good mate of mine uh, Colm Carroll is a really close yeah. friend of our family he, him and Ryan are really really good friends and Colm has become a great friend of mine and uh, my girlfriend as well Sarah like you know yeah. she Sarah Lahan she won uh, two days before me so just doing it with sharing yeah. that experience with Definitely, everybody was something it. special like yeah. you know for, for me to win it uh, to win the the Worlds and to to do it with the, tr- with the, the three of you like that made it that bit more special and the way it happened of 
back to back final. Like oh, you, you went out amazing, and won. Yeah. I went out and won. Ryan's gone out winning. Cullum's gone out winning. And I think that was even. Uh, it was great for us because you couldn't be the one to let the side down. That was I, it, I know, you know going into my final, you were after just winning and coming off and I was thinking, I cannot be the only silver medal out of the four of us That's here. That's it, yeah. Nobody like, if there's going to be a silver medal, yeah. it cannot be me. Yeah. And then Ryan, I know, is going out thinking the same. He's looking, there's two gold medals in the bag and Colum's, <laughs> I can't be the silver. And then Colum yeah. then just brought it home. So. That's it. Uh, but you know what else with, with the Worlds in Ireland, I think um, what, what, re- what was really special about it, like, for the years before and all the tournaments before going to all these different countries and we're always going away as a tight unit of Team Ireland like you know and there's success and everybody's congratulating each other and then you come back and maybe there's a national competition two months later yeah. and you're talking to somebody and they're like oh yeah you know we're following it on the live stream and we're following it on Facebook so you never actually got to realise how much people were following you like you know and how yeah, much yeah. people there were behind the Irish team pushing them on and like you only you you just didn't really feel it because you, you, yeah right if we're over in Finland for example you have Team Ireland of 30 people cheering you on which is great but in Ireland like you know all these people as I said from who all would say from all out. the clubs yeah. from all around the country came up to watch and it was actually the the first time I ever felt real pressure fighting in a competition because um, like even the night before my fight, like, you know, my phone was hopping, you know, with friends and college people. Like one of my yeah. uh, guy from college, one of like uh, a scholarship guy who, who had got me into DCU and stuff like that. He was coming over to watch. People were just ringing and uh, it only sort of was like, and then even you'd be talking to somebody like, oh yeah, when are you competing? And it was like Saturday, oh, I'll be over to watch it. I'll be over yeah. to watch it. I'll be over to watch it. Yeah. I and remember speaking sort of, to you around then and you were saying it felt different to the rest of It felt really different. Yeah. For me, I actually felt it took the pressure off some bit. Like you said, when you won uh, in Slovakia and you had your mom, yeah. your mom and dad there, you had the both of them there. For the Worlds in 2017, that was the first time my mom and dad had ever seen me fight at a competition like that because it was on in Ireland. That's so, amazing. And I actually kind of felt more that it took the pressure off because it felt more like, it kind of brought it back to feeling just more like a cork open, a double, like an, an Irish competition. Yeah, you know, yeah. it kind of brought it back to just, oh yeah, this is just like one of those other competitions. It just happens the guy you're fighting is from Italy, he's from Poland, he's from Russia. But it's, it. it's just the same thing. It's just a ring and that's, so that's, that's what it was for me. Like yeah. I said, no, I didn't have as much pre, as much previous success. So, probably not as much pressure to get the job done as yourself but I also remember for that one as well like I mentioned earlier on about having like you know injuries before competitions before that one I had a fractured eye socket uh, six weeks before the event I think it was yeah I was in a boxing spar and got a a fractured eye socket so like the, the initial news that I got was that I wouldn't have been able to compete at the event which was heartbreaking like you know I thought like and like I said this was just building and building and building for years this world's in Ireland and to have to not be able to compete at that would have been horrible like you know but it turned out then the when I met with a consultant basically I was told um, my biggest fear was because I was told this at the start was that I could potentially like lose the sight in the eye if I took another bang which I wouldn't have risked that for the competition uh, of course but not. when of course I was not. told that the worst thing that could happen if I competed and even took a hard bang on it was the fracture could get a little bit worse and it could require surgery I was happy to take that risk Yeah. so I went in then but for the six weeks beforehand I hadn't sparred or like, well, I hadn't done like, you know, proper full sparring with face contact or whatever. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Which, the same with this, yeah, I, remember which the I did feel yeah. in the in the first one or two 
in my first one or two fights to that competition, just a little bit of sharpness or distance or whatever it was, was a little bit off. Um, yeah, you definitely... There was some closer fights some ag- closer against fights. people you had beaten a lot easier previously. Definitely. And it's kind of funny because a lot of people may not know that you had that that injury going in and you hadn't spared. They just see what you what they saw at the championships and exactly, how you performed yeah, and they think, yeah. ooh, Adam was close on that one. He was close on that one as well. But there's a perfectly good reason. This is Not it. an excuse because you still got excuse, the job done, no, but, a, yeah. but a reason for maybe why it was a bit closer. But I remember mm. even then, like the last couple of weeks leading up to it, uh, so Robbie that I mentioned earlier on, like my kickboxing coach, he brought up uh, like a face mask for, and I was supposed to spar with this face mask on and it was, I hated it so much. It was the worst thing ever sparring. Like, you know, I'd be sparring Ryan and Colm or whoever and like, they'd be like kicking and punching me at will because this face mask was sticking out like inches, you know, from my yeah. face. And it's just, your distance, because, you know, maybe one of them is throwing a kick at me and I'm thinking, you yeah. know, I'm out of dodge here yeah. and then bang, it whacked me across the face. And like, you know, Robbie, you know, just kept saying, look, just it's worth it, you know, just stick with it, stick with it. And I just, I felt like shit, to be honest, in my sparring coming up to it because I was, you know, getting destroyed in spars and it was yeah. fogging up and everything, you know, coming yeah, into I've my later rounds. I have seen them. Oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. But um, look, it had to be done. So, uh, yeah, that that was that. Um, glad I just got the job done. So it was a bit of relief, like, you know, when, when you know. When yeah, you lived up to, the, to yeah. the the pressure and the hype that That's it, yeah. was kind of coming into it. yeah. Um, and that was the last time you were going to fight in ITF Taekwondo for a while at least for a while at least yeah you know after that um, I just decided that again we mentioned McGregor earlier on like you know he's what he did over the last couple of years like you know boosting the popularity of MMA in Ireland like you know nobody can deny it like you know it's just for me I think like martial arts has become a lot more cooler potentially in the last couple of years definitely like the GAA is always going to be the biggest sport in Ireland. Uh, there's always going to be football, uh, soccer, uh, rugby. Obviously, there's going to be some popularity there with the what the Irish team are doing, and Munster and Leinster and that. But martial arts, I th- I feel, has become a bit more cooler. That there's this guy that we have that's really good at it, and or this is, is the biggest name. Like the biggest guy in the UFC is an Irishman, and yeah. I, do, I don't think people put enough or give enough respect to that. That like yeah okay you have Americans and it's given that okay they're good at most sports they have so many people Brazil obviously they have massive in MMA Russia are always big they have big game big population but there's some, like a tiny country has the biggest st- the biggest star it's in crazy the really you know and, like you said and, um, but even now like you know coming down here today I, I got a taxi to the train station and I was talking to the taxi man and like he knows McGregor he knows MMA he knows martial yeah, arts yeah. like everybody you talk to knows about it so when you tell them that this is what you're involved in they can relate to it now rather than just saying oh well like oh you're an animal you fight in a cage like you know they, they can relate yeah, to I what think MMA st- there is there is still some of that stigma around that it is like cockfighting but I think there's a bit there is more respect coming there's more respect to all martial arts I think all martial arts have felt a bit more have felt some, have felt that improvement yeah. and a bit more respect coming to that sport on the back of McGregor yeah. but yeah so so for me basically it's just been like well so with this growing popularity more and more people going into it and 
people that I'd know from other martial arts and like, let's say, I don't know, like a judo guy and he's trying his hand at it, a boxer, he's trying his hand at it. It seems to be where most martial arts roads are leading, like, you know, from, from a competitive point of view. Follow the money. Follow it's the money. This is it. <laughs> but even from, uh, even like testing yourself, like, you know, so maybe this, like, I don't know if other people feel this, you might as well, like, Maybe it's a competitive side, but I'd find myself, I could be talking to a mate of mine and like, he's asking me about Taekwondo and I'm telling him about Taekwondo and he says, you know, oh yeah, like, you know, my cousin is a black belt in judo. And the first thing that comes to my head is, would I beat him in a fight? Yeah. Like, you know. Of course, yeah. Or he tells me that his cousin boxes for Ireland or his cousin does, I don't know, anything, a different type of kickboxing, jiu-jitsu. Straight away, the first thing comes into my mind Who'd win? If we had a knock, who's going if to If we had a knock, who'd yeah. win? Like, so I just think and MMA... And not necessarily, like obviously if you fought him in your sport, you're going to beat him if he fights you. So when we put it together and we just say, right, let's go. Let's go in MMA. What, that what, seems what, to what be happens? the, the middle happens? ground. Like, yeah. you know, so for me, that that's a big part of it. A big part of it um, to just to test myself. Like, and also I found myself watching some UFC events on the telly or whatever and maybe I'm sitting with my mates having a few beers and we're watching it and I'm th- I'm, I am find myself saying sometimes like, you know, oh, I'd beat him on the feet and I don't want to be the guy yeah. to be just sitting back in my chair being like, oh, I could have beaten him. I would have beaten him. Like I'm 24, I have time. Let's go do it. Like, yeah, you know, let's rather see. than just yeah, talk def- about it. Well, like, especially from our background with Taekwondo and the fact that that is like the kick in martial art to so many kicks it's all really all about kicking to some degree uh, you watch some of the fights in the UFC and the, the level of kicking is atrocious yeah this it's is it awful guys like a leg kick is the best they can do like this big slow swing if they're trying to kick somebody in the head and you're going Jesus like I know you're training every day and that's the best your flexibility allows so that's why I think like for me I look back and I think there is something to be said and there is a, a gap there for guys coming from taekwondo uh, kar- uh, points kickboxing or sport karate whatever you want to kind of call it being the same thing yeah. so I think there is a gap there for people to really uh, expose people other fighters with, with the legs if you know how to use it definitely yeah so like and um, obviously then for me like Last year, big, big challenge was, you know, trying to get my jiu-jitsu and wrestling and that up to scratch, like, you know, from an insurance point of view that, yeah. of course, not all my fights I'm going to be able to keep at range or at distance and use my striking. So um, that's myself and Ryan, you know, we're training out in SBG Swords. Yeah, how did you get in contact with them? How did, it, did you end up there? Because yeah, so there's a lot of gyms in Dublin, so how was it that one you ended up in? Um, so, like, when we decided, let's give the MMA thing a try, uh anybody in Dublin probably their first instinct would be where does Conor McGregor train and to go there but um, my older brother Alex is good friends with Carl Pendred um, and then Carl Pendred in turn is really good friends with Chris Fields so okay, when yeah. Alex mentioned it to Carl um, about like you know the lads are thinking about MMA and they want to get into it Carl told Alex that Chris had opened up a gym in SBG uh, in Swords which is only 15 minutes out the road from us um, so we yeah we said you know let's take ourselves out there local club like handy nearby and just wow like you know was just blown away by the standard uh, striking and grappling 
uh, everything. Yeah. Uh, Chris is a... He's more of a jiu-jitsu background himself, is it? Or He originally or? started in kickboxing. Okay. Like when he when okay. he would have started training yeah. and then made the move into MMA. But um, I think, like, he's fairly well balanced, but like his jiu-jitsu is like, you know, it's top drawer. Also yeah, I saw he was, um, was he at some... Was he at Europeans recently... Um, uh, he re- messes uh, around with the jiu-jitsu quite yeah, a bit anyway yeah. uh, Tom King as well he's uh, the other coach him and Chris run Tom he came King from he, he would have came from the original crew of Chris and Cahill as well did he, he in SBG yeah. with John Kavanagh so uh, Tom is would have been John's first black belt as far as I know yeah I remember it's only to be honest it's only the name is ringing a bell from Paddy Hoolan's podcast no shame he'd Cahill was on that yeah. and they mentioned Tom which is why the name is so like he's a got a, an extremely like you know technical and high yeah. level of jiu-jitsu which has helped me a lot but um, one thing that's really helped like you know obviously being sort of an eager beaver like and coming from a high level of taekwondo and kickboxing like it's been like basic. it's been a, a year now since I've been training and if it had been up to me I would have jumped into a fight eight months ago and the truth would have been a probably would have got killed you know I would have yeah. gotten destroyed on the ground uh, Chris has been very like you know straight up honest and like you know keep getting what you need getting what we need like you know and alright yeah like you've got flashy kicks but that's not always going to cut it like you know that's yeah. like you know he's basically he's he's preparing us for the highest level um, so that's why like you know we, we haven't fought up to now because we basically we have to reach a standard that he's happy with before we take a fight yeah but I think that's what you want really like you want to by the sounds of it he's looking at you could go far big time like, yeah, like yeah. we'll put the foundations in now to where maybe you could get to the UFC to where it's no point kind of just winning fight after fight after fight just doing what you're good at and then all of a sudden you get to a high level and you come unstuck you get and you're going out, well yeah. where's your ground game so it's better it. take the time now put in, put in the basics get yourself to be able to work a bit on the ground and then when you get to, when you go up the levels, you'll be much better prepared. That's the plan. Than just anyway, jumping yeah. in and I a couple of amateur fights and I a handy win there, handy win there, because you could get some good matchups. Like you know, if you're kind of building up a record, like if you're stacking up your record with some handy fights, eventually that goes away, and you're going to have to fight somebody who's good on the ground. So that's right. Might as well put in the basics, put in the work early. Yeah. And so like, um, give you the best chance. So the plan will be, you know, probably around. Soon enough now, probably March or whatever, like, you know, hopefully have my first uh, amateur fight. Like, you know, I'm going to start at amateur, um, get all my experience there, make any mistakes maybe, you know, that's everybody's attitude. Like, you yeah. know, some people are jump straight into the pro game. That's their choice, like, you know, but um, Chris's advice to me anyway and from talking to other people, it's, you know, no, bait your feet at amateur you know, get used to the game, get like, you know, get used to the style and then please God then when you get to the pro level or if you do get to that level and you're ready to go, um, you're the best version of yourself. Like, yeah. you know, and you're you're ready like then that, to make a stab at it. If you never even win a fight at amateur, you go professional, it's white clean. That's you're, it. You're all no. It's yeah. it, it's all starts again. So like that, you're good to get it why not have a good few fights at amateur get yourself stuck in when you've put in that foundation get yourself stuck into the amateur fights and if it goes your way it, do, it doesn't if, if it goes your way it does if it doesn't it doesn't you could go pro it all starts again that's it you know yeah, slate's yeah. clean um, there's a few other little areas then like um, stuff we've had to change like you know small little technical issues but like you know conditioning and stuff like that and you know we're training three trees now and 
the grappling as well as is yeah yeah definitely you know, it's a different element so um that's I've been lucky that so for myself and Ryan like for years I would have done like a lot of my own sort of programming and stuff like that but I find like I'd second guess it like although like so I studied that type of thing in college like yeah. which is sports science yeah and I'm the same like doing strength and conditioning it's like it's actually quite hard to program for yourself because yeah, it's you want to be jumping from here to here and then you're kind of like, well, am I doing the right thing? And so sometimes you do need that to somebody to tell you like, no, this is what you're doing today. That's but, it. So like, so are, I, you I could with, program, are you working with a coach? Yeah, I could program for somebody else. So I found like, you know, I need to delegate to somebody. And so uh, Luke Woods, which a lot of people would yeah, be yeah, Luke, uh, familiar with. Luke now, he's, um, he's sort of on the tail end of his competing like you know and he's more into the coaching yeah, so side for of people things who now. might not know as well Luke Woods uh, was world champion in minus 63 kilo sparring in 2009 2009 yeah in Argentina yeah. so a very high level ITF taekwondo fighter uh, has a couple of other uh, medals and good achievements but the the world championships in 2009 would be his biggest one yeah, and yeah. Uh, very seems a very knowledgeable guy in the strength and condition and that's right tra- and like that kind of area so he's really he's helped us with a good good few little things there now and made little tweaks to our training programs which I've really noticed in the last couple of months especially now that I've been I've been up in a lot of the wrestling and stuff like you know over Christmas and December there we had serious few sessions like you know in weeks um, and just even my recovery rates and stuff like that I'm just finding they're an awful lot quicker so uh but just quick shout out as well so like anybody you know looking to sort of bring their any type of sport but mainly combat experience like if you're looking for to bring your combat level to the next the next sort of stage like you know if you have world championships coming up maybe um, I'd recommend hitting up Luke because genuinely um, like he, he knows what it's at Integrity personal training Integrity personal training that's, I think yeah. That's his handle on Instagram If you're looking to look him up that's Or get right. in contact I'm sure you could get it through there Also I think it's Integrity personal training On Facebook as Facebook well Facebook as well yeah, yeah, yeah So if you are looking to Get in contact You can get him through there yeah. I'm sure he'll appreciate the shout out Definitely yeah <laughs> So We We spoke about him already uh, Conor McGregor Yeah uh, What's your overall opinion Do you think uh, He's quite brash Yeah like <laughs> I, I know, find my opinion of McGregor like you know it it's sort of like it changes from from time to time and stuff like that. I, first of all, I, I consider like you know myself anyway to be a different personality to McGregor anyway. Like you know, um, yeah, um, just basically anybody who knows me would say the same thing as well. But uh, as I mentioned, like you know his the way he's marketed himself and uh, the stuff he said, the stuff he's done, like he has really and truly put MMA on the map, not only in Ireland, but just across the whole world, which I'm sure most fighters would thank him for. If they don't, I think they're a bit stupid not to. Um, because like, you know, it's brought in more views, which equals more money, which equals happy fighters, you know? Yeah, exactly. So um, uh, his fighting style, you know, um, like I am impressed with, like wouldn't say blown away by, like you know he's yeah very good but, power, like you know all that type of thing. Um, learned bits and pieces from him. Again, though his style, he's incorporated a lot of taekwondo sort of kicks and stuff. Yeah, like there has style. been clips from training with like Johnny Dargan, who That's would have been right. on our taekwondo team, our national taekwondo team. So he's incorporating some of that and I think you could see that in a lot of his uh, some yeah. of the kicks he throws and, and 
so that. like that type of stuff is just like you know for some people and like you know maybe a different fighter might blow me away like Khabib for example would sort of really really impress me and blow me away because the wrestling side of things is alien to me so I'm sort of like well not alien anymore like I have got experience yeah. but because I'm still like getting used to it I'm like how does he do what he does like you know how does he control just, his opponent so well like even just that 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 figure four leg lock like the figure four on the legs with McGregor like it's something very simple but he's the only one really doing it this is what I'm and saying he's using like, it fight, know, and it's working fight after fight he's just pull the legs together with the figure four with his own legs and then he can go to town with the yeah. ground the pound so kind of like stuff but when, when I see him doing that type of stuff like and but so, yeah but like that some people who don't know the sport might not see that as being exciting because it's yeah. not it's not big knockout this you know it's not thing, McGregor like, hitting Jose Aldo with that left hand in 13 seconds kind of stuff or the Holly Holm run, uh, kick and run the rose in the head it's not that kind of knockout go. but it's effective and if you have an interest you know you can really take that in and see it and appreciate that. That's it. And when, like, sometimes I'm there, like, for anybody who knows the sport, like, trying to keep somebody down in side control top, I'm nearly struggling to do, like, and like, yeah. that's one of the most dominant positions. And then you have Khabib doing what he does. But, um, yeah, just back to Connor, like, you know, I have to just, like, hats off to him in general. Like, you know, he, uh, like, he's, like, you know, made a lot of money, as yeah. everybody's aware of. Uh, he's won a, made some amazing fights like you know obviously he's, he, and he's stepped up the challenges as well so you can't knock him for that um, but yeah like main thing is he's he's boosted the popularity for fighters like myself yeah. coming through but I feel like a lot of the people read a lot into what he says like oh he said this he said that a lot of the time them press conferences he's just trolling that's his stuff on Twitter thing. he's I, just trolling like he's just the same as if you were slagging one of your mates where do you really even mean half the shit you might say yeah it, Probably not, but it, it gets under their skin. It might get them get them going. You know, that's that's what it is. The press conference, like people, are like, oh my god, how could he say that? It's well, yeah, that's just, it. He's just, like, he's just you know, trolling. Like, why are you reading? Just, in, why are you reading into reading into it? Just just leave it. It's be. Like, banter, just, like you know, and yeah. you know, I think a lot of people from Dublin with a bit of Dublin humor, not only Dublin, Ireland humor, they, like they'll find the stuff funny. Some won't, some will. Um, but like I just, as you say, like you know, it's just it's flown off the tip of the tongue. It's in the heat of a press conference. Conference and the the bottom line is it's selling tickets like exactly you know, that's exactly you know, that is the bottom line all the time. Uh, no, it's kind of I am going to ask you who do you think he should fight next if he is going to fight, but it's kind of topical that I don't know if you saw on Instagram the kind of himself and Paulie Mal Paulie Malinaji had a bit of a back and I forth. I did see that actually. Yeah, I'm so down here. Yeah, that kind of tells me that the fact that both of them, I think they're trying to sell a fight between the two of them. Yeah, I think. There had been a bit of rumours during the week coming from Twitter that they were in talks and then at the, then last night kind of that came out where he was posted a video. Uh, Paulie responded with a video of his own. So I think potentially that, uh, I think that's what they're building towards. Yeah. That's what I think. Me personally, but, I have to say, this is just from a fight fan, like, you know, what I want to see yeah. and what I would really, really like, I, I would pay to see these fights is Khabib and Tony yeah of course Connor yeah, and Max one. and yeah. the winner's fight you know winner's for fight. me okay. that like, that's it Connor yeah. and Max I haven't watched Max's last performance against Brian and like that is the fight to make you know it's just especially they have the history from they, where have, they have the, the history before. like you know oh just for me personally I would, Who would really you love to see that who would I pick um, I'm going with Max 
I'm going with Max. Uh, I don't a lot of people know. don't agree with me with I'm not that. saying I don't. I actually, I'd have to put a bit more thought into it. But I think, like, okay, Max has come on massively since that fight. But McGregor won fairly handy with a boss knee. That is true. So, like, yeah. take that knee out of it. McGregor has improved. Uh, he will be fighting, you would expect, with no injuries or at least not an injury to that extent. And then Holloway, of course, has went on that winning streak. Yeah. So I think it's very interesting. Oh, I don't it's a, know. It's I wouldn't cracker. Say, like, I think it's very close. I don't know if I could call Like I said, I'd have, to, I'd have to have it announced and put a bit more time and thought into it yeah. to say, but yeah, Max... It's a really good fight. Oh, I think. It's, a it's a really good like, fight. I, just, I don't, but I don't I really, really want, want but I don't want to see him in boxing. I have no interest in who McGregor. Yeah, I have no interest in seeing him fight Paulie. Really, oh, I don't really either. Now, to I think, be especially if he loses, it just drops his stock again. If that's three losses in a row, two in boxing, it's just yeah. stick to MMA. There's I loads of good. So, yeah. Like I said, even the other day, to the other day, it's uh, there's a lot of good fights there, like the Poirier fight, the the Kevin Lee fight. Yeah, they're, they're good like fights. The, yeah, the yeah, Cowboy Cerrone fight. They're good fights. Just they're not going to sell. That's you know, it, yeah. but even the Nate DS fight, I think, is a well a one that everybody wants to see. But, yeah, yeah. but Nate seems to just not want to fight. So, yeah. uh, just we'll talk about one more thing because it's kind of has been topical uh, recently with John Jones fought on the 29th yeah. of December. Uh, John is obviously John Jones is the greatest light heavyweight fighter of all time. Like, he has the record to show it. That's true. He has the wins. He's still going, but there is that little asterisk to some of those wins with. The performance enhancing drugs, um, big time. What, what's what's your take? Is are you buying this? Are you buying the story of it's from a previous test in 2017 and it's pulsing, or do you think he's using microdosing? Or what? I what, find what do you think it, it hard is? to sort of like you know believe the excuses basically. Um, but one thing that like I was hearing a lot of talk about this over the last couple of days and weeks, and this just sort of came to my head that I remember and you'll remember this as well Jamie that when they started bringing drug testing into ITF Taekwondo yeah. right so it would have been the world's 2011 New Zealand uh, yeah that That's would have been the first became, time really where yeah. it would have came in so this is now a sport where no funding from or we don't get yeah. any funding there's no money for winning like the amount of money in ITF compared to the UFC is like Minuscule, yeah. Well, there, there is well, technically, well, pretty much in ITF Taekwondo, there is no money from fighting. So you, let's you just say, to, let's call to, it zero. You have to branch out pretty much. Like, are you doing seminars? Are you doing something else? Like, when you step in and you win, you're not getting any money for that. There we go. So, and even it, circulating in terms of like, as we say, background resource and all, it's yeah. very little compared to UFC. So, sorry, my point is, when they brought in the drug testing for that competition, our Irish team got a doctor. In to talk to yeah. us at a squad session. Yep. We had to send him everything, any supplement we were taking, yeah. any medication, anything that basically wasn't food, we yeah. had to send to him and tell him. He screened it all. We had to download an app, yeah. the Irish Sports Council app, I think. Uh, yeah, or is it WADA, a WADA app? Yeah, you WADA can still app get it, maybe. Yeah. I'm not really sure what it was. Still, there. In fact, I'm pretty sure about that app, if you download the app, you can scan I'm pretty sure it has a scanner for barcodes this on medication. So and you can scan it we had to download no. that. Yeah. And so not only did we send all the stuff on to the doctor, we had to put everything through that app. So I was like, even at the time, I was like, this is very thorough, like, you know, for yeah. drug testing. So if that's what was put in place for amateur juniors 
going yeah. to a world championships for Taekwondo. Yeah. What must the UFC guys, what should they be doing anyway? For Well, of course, so, they have the whole thing where you have the whereabouts, you have to tell them your location all it. the time and so the, che- like, the check-in. It's just on a way bigger scale. So basically wh- what I'm saying is like, if no one from our gang got tagged with anything or there was no like, oh, like, so I don't know if I'm, if did I hear this right? Somebody was blaming uh, like psoriasis cream or something before. It was Chad Mendes, yeah. Yeah, psoriasis so like, cream, yeah. Like I said, we had to send all this stuff. Like, surely them guys are doing the same thing. They're sending yeah. their stuff on. Ch- Chad Mendes just took the hit. Just said, "Look, yeah. I, I dropped the ball. Yeah, I was using psoriasis cream. It had uh, a, a anabolic steroid in it." Or whatever was my, in it. My point and he just is, took the, he took just took the suspension of yeah, look, I dropped the ball. Like when you know. people so there you go, he admitted he dropped the ball, but other people are saying that maybe they don't know what's in this, what's in that. If I ever got to a point where I was competing in MMA and I was making a living out of it. You'd make I'd, sure. I'd be checking my cornflakes. Yeah. Like, you know The thing like, is like see, I find it very Michael Bisping was on Joe Rogan there a couple of weeks back and he said that I never checked anything. So I just took shit. I said, yeah. Never tested positive. Never That's, did, didn't, I heard didn't, that che- as well. didn't check anything. Didn't check anything. So, so and the thing is like everybody's like, why doesn't Daniel Cormier te- pop? Why didn't Gustafson pop? Why doesn't why hasn't McGregor popped? Why have because they're not on steroids. Yeah, this is Do you know what I mean? They don't have those issues because they're not on PEDs. Yeah. It's like so John knows like we're supposed to kind of I feel like we're supposed to feel a little bit sorry that he tested once this time oh and it's still causing him problems it's like well he took those at one point in time so that's they're the consequences of taking the PEDs exactly. so this is tough but from um, but from any point of view like you know there'll always be then suspicions around certain fighters or whatever I just think for for anybody to you know, to even in a podcast setting here and just to sit and say that somebody is categorically on steroids or not on steroids, it's very hard to do because it is, it is. everybody has to remember the Lance Armstrong story. Yeah, you That's just like, you know, and yeah, if you, you just, don't look back just, on it and educate yourself on yeah, that. You can't like, really say. He, he, as far as I know, he took um, court cases against journalists who accused him of Oh, he was going full on. He was taking it to the highest level yeah. he could to defend and clear his name and in the end and he was doing but when you see how it all ended he just came out and said yeah I was on them this just is what I mean so like um, <laughs> that alone will sort of you know it will just put everything in perspective and yeah. you know that's like, I found that very interesting but there's some like on the back of it and listening to all the stuff like personally I'm not full I'm not fully sure was he is it a pulse in effect like they're saying like that's why some tests it's clean other tests it's not uh like Jeff Nowitzki came on, to, went on to Joe Rogan and did a whole lot of exp- explaining of potentially what the situation is and was quoting all these studies of the guy who was involved around the time um, with the Lance Armstrong thing, the documentary Icarus. Uh, he quoted a lot of studies that that guy had done. But then I was listening to Brendan Schaub before, he said before, that's what Nowitzki is going to do. He's going to go on, he's going to list out a lot of studies and in the end you kind of go, I haven't a clue what he's talking about. Yeah, I guess what yeah. I'm going to buy his story. But at the end of the day, like... Is it true or is it bullshit? Um, I think a lot of people forget is that the UFC are paying USADA. They, they they brought them in. Like there's a deal in place. Like I don't know, it's a big deal. It could be like I don't know, it's over a hundred million deal. Okay, so like if they wanted in the morning, the UFC could say, well, "You're gone. We don't want you anymore." 
Yeah. We're not paying you the deals off or they could pay them off and they disappear and all of a sudden it's back to kind of the Wild back West. The, day, the Wild stuff, West yeah. as they would have said. Like, Lads with no necks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. they could. So it's kind of in USADA's best interest to make sure that the UFC are kept happy to some degree because yeah. they're lying in their pockets with this big deal. If they're gone, like that's a big contract to lose. That's a big deal to lose. So... Yeah, you want to catch people, but you also do want to. You're gonna. It's in their interest to keep that deal. So no, I'm not saying that. I don't know. I know, like, but it's just so, something to think about. Like, yeah, you know. And I also think for anybody who does use PDs, how I find it very hard. See, I think it's a different case. Maybe when there's money on the line, right? But just yeah. we'll say the glory of going out and getting the win. I know. Like I've been tested. You've been tested. Well, you've been yeah. tested a couple of times. I was tested once at that world's, and I know. I was I was clean like I yeah, tested yeah. Didn't, haven't even heard from them since which is clearly a good sign but I know I wasn't on anything and I and I won the same now maybe other people may be on something again we don't know they weren't tested Daniel Cormier has achieved, for what he's achieved he knows I've done it I've done it clean I Don't haven't clean, needed yeah. any uh, any help from uh, from as George St. Pierre would say outside weapons that's I, it yeah, you know? yeah I didn't need any other weapons to help me win I've done it myself through hard work and discipline, determination, put the work in and got the result. So I don't know how people like, we know Vitor Belfort and the likes that are on it. Like you're going out and knocking out a guy in 30 seconds and you're celebrating there the same as a guy who, as if nothing, as if you didn't have an advantage. I find that very like that, stand over that. And really, when you look yourself at the minute, can you go, yeah, I'm a killer. When you look at, well, I've, I'm juice, juice to the gills. Do you know here. what's funny though, and like I, I completely share that opinion, and I'd be hundred percent like in agreement with you. But I nearly think some people can justify it from the point of view that they're nearly saying, "Oh, well, everybody else is on it." Well, that's what I have. But that's like, something I think people are justifying see, that that it's like sink or swim. Like if they're not taking it, they're gonna be well. Back in the day, like I know from listening to other pocket like Joe Rogan, that back in Pride, they used to literally put it in the contract that you won't be tested. So look, it's kind of, yeah, if it's yeah. there, you're probably a fool not to be on it. Um, the big thing for me is if it's not there, right, if it's not put in the contract that not, you're not going to use it, then maybe, okay, I could see, I still don't agree with it too much. I wouldn't use it, but I could see if you have agreed we're going to fight clean and you don't fight clean, that's a different story. That's a different story. No, that's cheap. Yeah. I put actually the same thing of if you said we're going to fight at this weight and you don't make that weight, then you nearly shouldn't be allowed to fight. That's or you should, true, or you should yeah. be ducted most of your pay. You've broken the contract. We said the co- we said it was at, at this weight. We said we were going to fight clean. Yeah. So therefore, why why should you be rewarded and get the reward for for cheating? And then it doesn't affect you in any way. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So that's it. Like, I, I think know. it's massive. Uh, look, it's going to be an interesting said, but topic that being said, over the next I, couple of years. I think. I do think John Jones still beats those guys. Like the steroids didn't help John Jones see that Daniel Cormier every time he throws the right hand he drops to his left That's to see and and, and Jones to bring that kick and knock him out. Like so, the, the, the drugs didn't help him see that. You know, I, I think what we've seen is the drugs didn't help him against Gustafsson make the adjustments to like I thought it was actually a masterclass performance. Some people thought John was sloppy. Maybe he was. I think he was a bit cautious at the first couple of rounds, and as it went on, he opened up. But I thought. He just, he was picking the distance, he was picking shots, he just, he knew the range to keep it at, he had a look, he picked the shots lovely and he got to stop it. When he got it down and he got the advantage on top, he just, he got that's his back, it. he and just got the stoppage. I thought, it was, I thought it was a brilliant performance. About from the tactical point of view, and that's, that is what makes fighting sports what they are, like, you know, yeah. there's, like we mentioned earlier it's the equaliser. The, the cycling or whatever, like, 
you're doing a third of France like it purely comes down to one thing and one thing only and that's endurance like you know there's nothing else really matters it's but I've heard it's actually like very bad for your health to do a clean yeah like to, to, to not cheat like to not use drugs is like you're, it's yeah. <laughs> it's a big mistake you it's very like it's climbing uphill or cycling yeah. uphill for days to not but you know. when you're in there in, a, in an MMA fight like as we know there's there's so much things going on or a taekwondo but fight but again it's, it's it different it's different when you're pedaling a bike to you're hitting a guy in the chin yeah you know that yeah. it's 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 different I think definitely MMA combat sports it, it's it's different yeah it's different to like that so like even even tennis or some, any other sports but like when you're hitting somebody and you're trying to do damage to them that's a different ball game that's then. right yeah just enhancing that power like so uh, I think we're going to wrap it up there yeah that's perfect uh, th- thanks for coming on no matter, uh, episode for 1 uh, for anybody who is trying to find you maybe on social media Instagram is probably the best uh, place is it yeah just Adam Shelley nothing, nothing fancy Adam Shelley TKD no, Adam just, Shelley TKD I think but I think if Adam Shelley types in yeah you're not a big social media guy really so Instagram no, I'm trying the, to get there yeah, yeah yeah well Snapchat I think is pretty much dead but so I think Instagram is the best place to find you uh, for the podcast The Black Belter on Instagram uh, The Black Belter uh, is the Facebook page as well uh, if you've enjoyed the podcast uh, like uh, subscribe uh, whichever platform or whatever app you use to listen to the podcast it's hopefully going to be up on all social media platforms like YouTube uh, Apple Podcasts SoundCloud Stitcher Spotify I'm hoping to have it on all of them so if you could uh, like and subscribe and share that would be great and uh, tune in for the next one so thanks Adam Cheers Jamie thanks for having me